0: So Larry Bianco was um, scheduled to speak tonight. Uh, Larry got really ill and um, couldn't. And so I was going to try and come up with something, you know, maybe reheat and serve an old sermon or something like that uh, for you guys. Uh, and uh, I'm going to tell you how this happened because it's crazy. So... <clears throat> I'm trying to get something together. It's going to be okay, probably. And and then uh, I was talking to our British intern who is not supposed to be here, but is here because every plane that was supposed to go into Gatwick in London got canceled a few days ago due to somebody flying drones over the airport. So Shara is not supposed to be here, but she's here, and so I'm just checking up with her and see how things are going and she tells me about this fitful night of sleep she had, she kept, she kept dreaming about babies that were in trouble uh, as a matter of fact she's staying at the Potts house and she, uh, she had a dream that caused her to run upstairs and to make sure baby Askel was okay and not choking uh, and then of course Aaron came up to see what was going on and they talked and then she went back to bed and just kept dreaming about babies that needed saving And so I said, well, that's interesting. I don't know what that means, Shara. I mean, there's plenty of spiritual babies (laughs) for you to attend to. I know that much. That's what I'm thinking. But I said, you know, I know a woman who does exactly that ministry. She goes, what? I go, yeah, and she's here in town. And since you're going to be around for an extra week, you should meet her and talk to her. It would be great for you. Her name is Sarah Bowling, and she runs a ministry called Saving Moses. And they just deal with children like five and under around the world, in the worst parts of the world. I mean, they're expanding. They're not around the world. But there's babies that need saving every place. And um, if you read some of the posts I've put on Facebook, then you know a little bit more. But let me just say that I met Sarah Several years ago, at some kind of all citywide praise thing for young people, and I was asked to do something, and she was there, and so we ended up meeting, and it was a good meeting. We got together a couple more times, and we just really like her, and, and let me tell you, like you meet people, and they seem like normal people, right? And then you find out more about them, about the church they're working with here, about this international ministry they're working with here, about this international ministry they've started uh, to help save babies. you're going, I just met a world changer who is the most humble and unassuming person you would ever want to know. And I just want to say that Through the Holy Spirit's machinations, we are blessed at SCUM tonight to be able to hear from my friend Sarah Bowling. So, Sarah, come on up.
1: Thanks. Good to be with all of y'all. I totally, I've been hearing about SCUM for, you know, a little while, like decades, of course. And, uh, oh, my gosh, completely, completely love getting to hang out. I mean, it's been kind of a dream in my heart, and Mike would say, you know, hey, we ought to get you I'm like, yeah, like send me, Lord, please, soon, because I've been wanting to come and hang out for a while. Thank you. So I really appreciate your time, and I know it's a busy season, Christmas and all that. So um, just tell you a little bit about saving Moses, uh, you know, you're like saving babies. Who gives a rip? Um, Well, it's kind of important. And the idea of saving Moses, you know, if you think about him, he kind of did a lot of things, right? I mean, he's kind of significant. If you measure, like, he wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, he did the Ten Commandments. If you like Yul Brenner, he did the red sea thing and all that you know ten plagues pick something he's kind of significant big deal but when he was about three months old plus or minus you know he's in the nile river in that little tiny boat and he's about ready to be eaten by crocodiles pharaoh's daughter comes along and like reaches for soap and she gets him and uh so she rescues him saves moses um, and go on in his life and amazing things happen. And so the idea is that God has an amazing plan and purpose um, and babies that are in high-risk needs um, and areas and places need saving. Uh, I love doing it. I love, 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 love. I feel like God gave me a vision, passion for this um, several years ago. And so some of the things we do, we do um, six malnutrition clinics in Angola. Um, Angola has one of the world's, has had highest infant mortality, um, severe, acute, uh, malnourished babies. And so it's one thing to see the pictures with xylophone rib cages, you know, but it's another thing to hold that baby. Um, um, and it's and it never, I don't know how many times, it it never, it never, fails to break me down. Um, And so, you know, I have those. And then I also opened just in um, September. We're doing malnutrition as well in the DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, Um, on the east side where they currently have Ebola, which is very exciting. Um, We also do infant immunizations in rural Afghanistan, um, which is an amazing, amazing opportunity because it's massive high infant mortality, especially out there. And then I have something... Kind of unusual, called night care. Um, it's uh, we take care of the babies and toddlers of sex workers in third world countries while they work. So as opposed to daycare, right? We all know what daycare is. Um, they we have what we call night care. And you're like, well, you know, is that really an issue? Well, I was in Bangladesh last year. Um, went to the largest brothel in Bangladesh. They have around I don't know 2,000 uh, prostitutes in that in that brothel, and. Um, and got to hang out with some of the moms there, the the sex workers. And I asked them, I said, what do you do with your baby while you're working? Eight out of ten, they raised their hand. They said, baby's on the bed with me while I work. Um, and they they added further, they're like, well, when my baby's a toddler, it's not uncommon for a client to finish with me, roll over and molest my toddler. It's pretty, pretty customary. So I was like, hey, if I brought in something called night care... You know, where, what happens is, before you go to work, you bring your baby, toddler to us. We give them a bath, feed them dinner, play with them a little bit, um, then put them down for bed for the whole night, right? They sleep through the night, moms collect them in the morning. Would you be interested in that? They're like, well, we would have done this two years ago. What has taken you so long? So, um, we have five night care centers in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Uh, we opened last year in Bangladesh. Um, Next month, we're going back to Bangladesh. We plan to open for floating, what we call floating sex workers. So these are ones that are not um, anchored, so to speak, in a a brothel, but they live in like Dhaka, which is the capital of Bangladesh. Bangladesh is a super poor country. DACA has around 20, 25 million people in it. So floating sex workers, they earn a living by floating on the streets and, and working in bus stops and train stations and those kinds of things. So um, their babies are at the most highest risk. Um, so those are some things that we get to do, and, and I love doing it. Um, and I sense, I, th- I feel like it's really important to God um, when we talk about babies. And I think babies have huge issues um, when you think about Jesus um, the Holy Spirit came on Mary and was dialed into the baby, Jesus. And throughout the Bible, you see all kinds of stuff with babies. And so um, I just feel like it's really God's heart. And, and what I love about it is you get to love, love a baby with what I call genuine love. There's no transaction to it, right? You don't, like, get anything back from it. And I've had people say well, do you know, do they, do you convert them? And I'm like, yeah, you know, that three month old little baby, he says a sinner's prayer and boom, that just happens. Right. And then, you know, I have others that are like, well, you know, you need to fix the moms. I'm like, yeah, well, you feel you're free to do that. I'm going to take care of the babies and toddlers. You know, I just, if you can't love a baby and a toddler, then let's kind of think about what's going on inside. Cause that's, that's more concern, right? I mean, that's a big deal, and so I think loving babies, uh, loving my opportunity to love them and, and bring genuine love to them, just care for them, just flat out nurture, love them, um, is a phenomenal honor, and And I say that, and I want to talk a little bit tonight about the love of God, and, uh, and I... I think that at Christmas time, you know, and we here kind of love's a big deal to God. And uh, we recognize and kind of check the box. Yeah, that's important. And we're now, we're supposed to like love people. Jesus says three commands love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Okay, check the box. But I think that when we think about Christmas time, it's the season where God um, has fully expressed. I love what Dave said that Jesus came as a baby. Um, and, you know, you read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Jesus. And so God's posture towards humanity, towards each of us in the room, is that God loves us. Um, and we read in First in, uh, John that God is love. And I think, too, sometimes I struggle sometimes to love people. There are some people that are easy to love. You know, you're like, ooh, that was just fat pitch. I like hanging out with them. And then there are some people that are difficult to love. They might be your family, possibly you would see the after tomorrow. You're like, ooh, they're a little shady, hard to love some of those rogues. I get it. Um, but I think before we start getting ourselves amped up on we've got to love people and kind of put that heavy on, um, I think this is something for us to think about. Um, and if we have that, I think we have a slide up in First John four, nine. Perfect. I'd rather not do the slides because you know me with that technical stuff and the slides. <laughs> Mike's like, "Hey, send me the slides." I'm like, "Ooh, no, this is totally uh, beyond me because I'm not technical." Yeah, awesome, perfect. That 's completely great, but first um, John four nineteen sometimes we get this heavy on ourselves we've got to love people and you know kind of stir it up and figure out how to do that. but I think before we get too far down that road, because that to me is a train wreck, if I try to force me to love somebody uh, it 's going to be fifty fifty i 'm not probably going to pull it off too well, but um, I think if we consider this first John four nineteen it says we love because God first loved us. And to that end, I really want us to consider that God's posture towards us is one of love, genuine love. And it says in 1 John that God is love. And the deal is, if God is love, that means that he, they, because there's three of them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's a boatload of love. And if you consider that they're infinite, never ending, never beginning, all that, they don't change. Then God loves us because that's who God is. And because it's who God is, since when did you ever change God? You never have changed God and you never will change God. Good luck with that. God loves you. And the deal is you can't increase, you know, you turn up the volume, you can't increase God's love, you know, do the right things and do the I think sometimes our human experiences with love tend to frame more what i call transactional love you you're good and and i love you you're bad and i withhold my love and i think sometimes our parents frame it in terms of training and they want good outcomes i, I can appreciate that but i want us to understand that you can't if you can't increase god's love that means you can't decrease it you can't lose it if you can't earn it you can't lose it god is flat out Love and His posture, their posture towards us is one of continual, ongoing, perpetual love. When you're sleeping, when you're um, going to the bathroom, whatever you're awake, you're doing work. You're not doing work. You're being lazy. You're sloppy. Whatever you know, doing every, whatever it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change God's posture towards us. And and we can go through that mental exercise and mental kind of gyrations, and we can accept that and say, well, you know, that sounds good and everything. Um, but I want to just take a minute here to think about this. And, uh, because I think there are times for myself, I know this, that I'll go and I'll act like everything's good, but I'm struggling in my heart to f- fence, to believe that God loves me. Um, you know, I do something wrong and like, Ugh, I don't think you love me, but I know in my better moments, God does love me. And if I do something right, I'm like, Ooh, look at me. I did it right. I think you love me more. But in actuality, God's love doesn't change. It's not this increase and decrease; it's nice and steady. So the question I would propose is: um, I think there are times when we pull away from God. We think we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We're, we're and it's hard to receive what seems to be so extravagant. And for my babies and toddlers, um, you know, it's interesting because for them, they're they're just easy breezy, right? they come as a child and it's interesting because a lot of my babies and toddlers in um, in night care you find it interesting for them because I remember this one kid Johnny I'll call him Johnny because that's a safe name and uh I remember when he came the first time I we opened this new night care center in Phnom Penh and uh I started I went with a friend of mine and we'd only been open so we were open six nights a week and uh We'd only been open in this neighborhood. And it's a new neighborhood, so moms don't know you. They don't trust you. You haven't earned your street credit with them yet. I get it. You just got to stay steady and, and do what you say. Be faithful. Be consistent. Demonstrate continuity. That's good because you're in their trust. But Johnny comes. And I remember the first couple nights I went. And I had this other friend, an older gentleman. He was probably 55 or something. He came. And uh, Johnny, Johnny was hell on wheels, man. That kid, he was probably about two. And you walk in, and he'd walk in, and I mean, it hit the fan, <laughs> and I mean it in the fullest sense of the word. This kid was mean and aggressive and hostile and combative, and like he'd push kids and he'd, you know, kick them and like mug them to get their toys. And you're like, hey, there's lots of toys. You don't need to mug anybody, you know. And 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 I remember, like, what is it with this kid? You know, I mean, we got kids that are rough because he's neighborhoods and all, but what is it with this guy? I mean, he's he's the end of the spectrum. And uh, they explained to me, they're like, well, um, Johnny, uh, his dad beats him with an electrical cord, so he comes in from time to time with these welts. They don't have child services over there. <laughs> Just to be abundantly clear, this is not apples to apples. This, isn't, this is not America. And uh, he also, I think, if I remember right, he saw his dad kill somebody in front of him. So when he was like two, so this was about two years ago, and uh, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, this little two-year-old boy seeing this and experiencing and living in that. Um, note to self, and and uh, my friend who came with me, the gentleman who's about fifty-five or so, I noticed that while we'd come every night and hang out, and Johnny didn't want much to do with the chicks, the the we call them nannies that kind of help out, you know, and do everything, um, but. Johnny was super thought the guy that was with me, his name, call him Chuck, thought Chuck was the cat's meow. I mean, he's like, oh, my gosh, Chuck hung the moon. And uh, Chuck would kind of rough and tumble with him and be that guy thing, you know, but hold him and be firm and but good in a good, loving way. Kind of. And you could watch Johnny over the course of four or five nights just kind of melt. Right. And Chuck, Chuck knew what he he's a dad, a grandfather. And so he's like, no, I get it. I get it. And so. Uh, fast forward, I was just back in Cambodia in July, and uh, I went to visit the night care where, we, where Johnny is. And now that night care, at that time, there was probably about six or eight kids that were coming to it. Now that night care has around 25 that come six nights a week, which is cool. I mean, like, flat-out cool. And uh, Johnny's there. And uh, I see him all like, ooh, you know, thinking he's <laughs> on wheels, what's going to happen? And, uh, you know, I watched him through the whole night, and, uh, or the whole evening. And I watched him, I was like, oh my gosh, he was generous. He was rambunctious because he's a little boy. He's like four years old now. And he's super rambunctious, but he's generous and he would be gentle. He knew how to, like, so to speak, regulate himself and not go over the top and, you know. And then we did something like circle time, and he was one of the key leaders. In circle time. So he would stand up and do all this stuff. And he was respectful. And, and the nannies and stuff, they'd tell him, Johnny. And he'd be like, yes, you know, like kind of obedient. But it was fun just to watch and see the progression. And what I mean by this is genuine love changes us from the inside. When we know that we're loved genuinely and we're held and we receive compassion and we let Father, Son, Holy Spirit work in our souls, work in our hearts, that genuine love, I think it melts us on the inside. And I can appreciate that our horizontal interactions from time to time, we're prickly. You know, we go through seasons, we go through experiences, and people betray us, and we lose trust. I get it. I get it. But at the core of us, if we can uh, nestle in And settle into that genuine love, God loves us. And not just in the mental ascent, check the box, but have that part of the core of who we are. And family, I think like Johnny, there's transformation, change inside. And I think I want to encourage you to, if you think about why, if it's too good, sometimes I think it's too good to be true. We think that. God's love can't love me that much. Are you kidding if, if God knew, God does know, um, soup to nuts beginning from end, um, and doesn't change, doesn't change, doesn't like dial it up, dial it down. But I think we do. We we sometimes, we pull away. We pull away from, from God's love for us for whatever reason. Um, and I want to kind of identify possibly some of those reasons for you. In um, Romans 8. Verse 35, um, Paul says "Is Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Who can separate us? And sometimes I think... When we go through tribulation, we go through difficult times. We go through, somebody finds out we're doing this Jesus gig, and they're like, oh my gosh, a bunch of fruitcakes over there, you know, weirdo whack jobs. And so there's like this, you know, get some persecution, opposition. And and the idea of nakedness, um, the idea of nakedness goes to, speaks to shame. Um, and I think sometimes if we're not careful, we separate ourselves. We, we go through situations, circumstances, tribulation and i've i've done this myself where i'm like you know god if you really love me actually i was having this conversation with god yesterday it's like you know i'm not i'm really struggling to believe i'm really struggling to believe that you love me because if you love me and i'm sure i'm the only one that's had this conversation then how come a b and c has anybody ever said that right this right exactly i think we all do And we go through difficult times. And and I think sometimes we look at other people and we're like, they live a charmed life, so God must love them more. They don't have tribulation, so God loves them. I have tribulation, so God doesn't love me. Why would we choose to separate ourselves? Why would we choose to isolate and withdraw and pull away? Or shame. Shame's an easy one. You know, I'm embarrassed about X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to pull away. Why would we do that when God's love doesn't ever, never, changes. doesn't ever fluctuate. Shadows and turnings and sunrise and sunset. It doesn't change. In fact, there's a psalm, I should know it, I'm sorry, but it says the loving kindness of God is forever. And it says it, like every single verse, the psalmist says one thing, and then it says the loving kindness of God is forever. The psalmist says another thing, and it says the loving kindness. And because of the redundancy of it, you're kind of like, okay, I get it, I get it. But at the same time, there must be a reason for that continuity that repetition i think because we need to hear it and i think jesus coming to earth in, in the form of a baby is the ultimate demonstration that he didn't come <laughs> anybody do the star trek thing remember q maybe not this audience that's okay if you didn't i was kind of a sort of a tricky. there's no shame in that but, kind of, but uh, Q was one of these characters that would show up in these random garbs and like he'd be a prince here and then he'd be over here and he'd be like some wacko alien and he'd, he'd show up in these just phenomenal strange things. But Jesus, when Jesus showed up, he didn't do Q. Jesus did baby. Jesus did newborn. Jesus came into the earth just like you and me. Fully God as though we not, were not man. Fully man as though we were not God. He comes and he does the whole soup to nuts human existence. Baby through the puberty years. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know. You can do your own imagination. Then, you know, did the bar mitzvah thing and then did the the carpenter thing. And then, you know, then he's crucified, risen from the dead. And all of that is the demonstration, the personification that God loves us. And you see Jesus. I read it. Just yesterday, Jesus was giving an earful to the religious people. He's like, you know what? These tax collectors and prostitutes are getting into the kingdom of God before you. And you're not even shocked by that. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> he gives them an earful. But I like it because I think he does that just to do the shock value. I love you. I love you. And if you think about the prodigal son, that story of the prodigal son, both boys, the father behaved the same towards both boys. One boy took the rogue rogue path, and the other boy took the righteous path. The one boy did everything right. daughter of the I's, cross of T's, was like Mr. Perfect. I've, I've served you my whole life, Dad, and you never gave me the fat and calf. You know, no, nah, no, nah, nah, I'm, And I'm, I'm the loser. And notice that both boys separated themselves from the father for different reasons. One separated himself because he's like, hey, let's go party. Let's find out what life is like, and let's choke on the bone. <laughs> Suck out the barrel, right? The other guy, (laughs) he's like, no, I'm going to separate myself because I'm so righteous. I'm so holy. I'm so perfect. I did it all right. Both of them separated. And yet the father's behavior towards both of them was equally the same. Went out to the rogue kid and went out to the righteous kid. Because the father's heart for all of us, no matter what your path is, however you've chosen, the father's heart for you is continual, ongoing love. And so... Let's, let's choose not to separate ourselves. Let's say, okay, Father, if you consistently love me, Holy Spirit and Jesus, if you consistently love me, I'm going to choose not to withdraw and put myself in timeout because I was a bad little girl or whatever. Let's not separate ourselves. And Paul continues it in Romans 8, 38 and 39. And he says this, and I, I appreciate the spectrum, the far extremes of this, because he says, um, I'm convinced that neither death nor life. Neither angels, nor principalities, nor things present, or things to come. Neither powers, neither height, nor depth, nor any created thing can separate us from the love of God. No extreme. No, no outlier. No excess. It doesn't separate. Height and depth. There's nothing uh, in location, in, in, in geographical scenario that separates you from God's love. Time. Neither present nor the future doesn't separate you from God's love. Neither angels or demons, not nothing spiritual can separate you from God's love. Neither life nor death. God's love for you sustains the entire spectrum from one extreme to the other, never changes. And so the key, I would say, key takeaway I would ask for you today is to um, choose not to separate yourself from God's love. Um, God came demonstrated his love while we were in our worst state and said, yep, yeah, I'm still passionate about you. I still want relationship and connection. And this whole gig is to, to do relationship with each one of us individually. And so when you think about love, we um, probably read 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. Anybody ever remember that? Right? I mean, you might have heard it at a wedding occasionally. Um, we tend to put it in romantic terms. But I believe it's more than romantic. Um, and so here's something to think about. And this is this is something that I've done. And uh, I would just encourage you, when you look at those verses, it's First Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. Um, Paul gives a list. Love is patient and kind. And then love is not. And he says love is not jealous. It is not boastful or arrogant. It is not... Keep a record of wrongs. And Paul does a lot of knots. It's not this. Um, I would encourage you, and what I've done that's been very helpful to me in this whole experience with love, if I appreciate that God is love, then what I've done is I've taken all of the negatives. Love is not jealous. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not easily provoked. What I did was I took the opposites of those. So, for example, what's the opposite of of arrogant? No wrong answers. Humble? Can we agree on that? Yeah, humble. That's nice. So if God is not arrogant, then God is humble. So love is patient. Love is kind. Love is humble. If love doesn't keep a record of wrongs, what's the opposite of, of keeping a record of wrongs? What would you say? All loving, yeah, forgiving, right? Forgiving. God forgives me. so love forgives. So what I've done is I take I listed all the ones that are not, and I took the opposites, and then I added those opposites to the love is column. You're like, why did you do that? Because what I do is every morning in my in my prayer time, I list those things. Sarah, we love you, and we are patient, we are enduring. And and what helps me is sometimes I'll go back and reflect on the preceding day, preceding week, and I'll look and see and watch places where I experienced patience, not just from me to somebody else, but somebody was patient or the situation was patient with me. Somebody was stable or there was a stability. I was like, Woo, that came out of left field. And what I start recognizing is I recognize the demonstration of God loving me Consistently it's not just a religious check the box, did the church thing, but it's experiential. Because it's I believe in my heart that God wants us to experience ongoing love because that's who God is. So I've been doing that, and it's been extremely powerful. Um, it's helped me in my interactions horizontally, but more than that, it's changed me from the inside. Like Johnny, Johnny going through night care and experiencing genuine love every night and watching that transformation over time. It's helped, helped make me more human, more myself, more whole. And so when we think about God loving us, I just encourage you, um, maybe take some time in the next couple of days or whatever and go through 1 Corinthians, those verses, and just settle in that for a little while and identify, yeah, God loves and demonstrates. And this is, oh, yeah, I experienced God's love here and here. And, and, and really the ultimate goal is so that we don't separate. We don't isolate. We don't pull ourselves away and judge and do all that and condemnation and everything. Accusation. If you remember, the enemy accuses and Holy Spirit advocates. And so I just encourage you to nestle into that and um, be available. Make yourself available for God to love. I think sometimes we, we kind of isolate ourselves or we qualify, you know, well, you know, and we, we pull out and all these things. But I just say open kimono, unzip your heart and say, okay. And appreciate that God's got you. And it's, it's not a, a condemning gotcha, it's a consolation, it's, con, it's consoling, it's accepting, it's embracing, it's wholly loving. And so, um, as I finish, I just would like to take a moment, um, and I'd just like to ask you to think for a moment, maybe take a little bit of pause, a little inventory maybe in your heart. Um, are there places where you separate yourself from God's love? Are there situations, are there memories, are there conversations, experiences where you separate, um. And so I'm just gonna ask I'm gonna take a moment and pray and ask Holy Spirit Jesus says Holy Spirit's the Spirit of Truth leads us into truth. I'm gonna pray and ask Holy Spirit to show you truth. Where are some places where you have or you did, you do separate yourself from God's love? So just close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. I just pray this. I know, Holy Spirit, that you're here. And I'm very thankful that you're here. I pray for each one of us that you would lead us into truth, help us to follow you, and I pray that you would speak to us, places, tendencies, conversations, mindsets, where we separate ourselves from your love. Just with your eyes closed i kind of feel like holy spirit's encouraging you on a couple things for some some individuals in the room there's this sense that there's an issue that you struggle with and it's it's a challenge ongoing difficulty and you pull away from or you feel like God can't love you because it never seems like you can get past that hurdle, that obstacle. It's like an Achilles heel. God speaking to you, saying, I love you. No matter how much you struggle or how little, it doesn't change. For some of you in the room, there's a memory from your past. Something happened. Um, Super hurtful to you. And... You kind of put God on the judgment seat. Why did you let that happen? If you loved me, you wouldn't have let that happen. There's a separation there. For some, there's so much hurt and wounding. You've created a callous, a hardness. And I just encourage you, Jesus is standing and knocking, asking you to listen and invite him in and appreciate that God's love doesn't change. And the whys, why did this happen? I don't know. You can give all kinds of reasons. But ultimately let's settle into the reality that God loves us and that doesn't change. And pray this last verse for all of us in this room. Father, I pray, Romans 5, verse 5, for all of us. I pray that your love, love of the Father, would be poured into our hearts through Holy Spirit tonight. And I know, Holy Spirit, that you're here and I pray individually for each of us uniquely that we would sense your love speaking into our hearts, to the core of us. I pray and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you continually, ongoingly pour, pour this love. Thank you for helping us. And I pray that you would arrest us when we try to separate ourselves, when we're pulling away. Arrest our attention, arrest our thoughts, our behaviors, or even those feelings. Arrest us so that we stay present and available for you to love. Thank you for helping us to know your love. I pray for 2019 that it would be a year overflowing in our hearts with your love. Thank you for changing us from the inside, helping us to receive and walk in your love more than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen.